Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast, where each episode provides in-depth insights about the long-term value of companies and ideas in our current world. Your host for this podcast is Doug Utberg, the founder and principal consultant for Business of Life, LLC. Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast. Uh, we have Antoni Anibuam. Uh, did I pronounce that right? Almost. Okay, almost. Well, uh, I'll take almost. So, so we have Antonio on the show, and what we're going to talk about is building a collaborative organization. Um, you know, which sounds really easy, uh, but in truth, I, at least I found it's really, really tricky. Just because uh, you know, one of the things you have to do to build a really strong organization, to say nothing of a collaborative organization, is you really have to. Um, understand how to navigate the dynamics of everyone's personalities, you know, because some people are naturally collaborative, uh, whereas other people can naturally be a little more prickly. And if you're not, you know, if, if you don't do it really carefully, uh, sometimes what can happen is people can essentially either directly or passive aggressively, uh, essentially take control of the team uh, without, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're just kind of, you know, uh, you know, without really strong leadership or you know, kind of really strong, effective leadership. Be, you know, because at least I found that, you know, it's the easy thing to do can be to come in and try to be really authoritarian. Um, but then, then what that does is a lot of times that squashes collaboration and creativity. So, uh, Antonio, don't let me, uh, don't let me monopolize the conversation. Uh, but just that, those have been some of my observations kind of, uh, walk me through kind of what you've seen and what, are, uh, let, let's have a conversation about what are some of the secrets to really having an effective collaborative organization? Yeah, absolutely. Um, amazing insights, Doug there. And thanks for, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've had like, uh, or I come from, well, I come from the, from the Nordics. Uh, yeah. We have a bunch of, we have a bunch of good examples of companies that have really nailed the like autonomous yeah. collaborative organizations uh, like model really well. And uh, they've made it work amazingly. A um, couple of examples are Supercell. That is uh mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the one of the leading gaming companies in, in the world, mobile gaming company, uh, who is headed by Ilka Pan and then a big, big, I'm, I'm like a big fan and uh, big fan of him. He is part of the fund that actually invested in us like early on and okay. been studying, you know, like methodologies and understanding through him a lot of the ways of how Supercell has built the company. Yeah. So the name supercell comes from um well supercells so like these like cells inside of the organism yeah. that just like even the whole kind of like organism organism outside just weeds out they prosper they strive so how they build the teams they have a full team that works on a single game uh -huh. and that team itself has the has the capability of shutting a game or, you know, continuing a game. Like there is no like leadership level that will come in and say, Hey, this is bad for finances, but the actual team itself inside of the organization gets to, you know, choose of, do we keep on going and, um, uh, or do we kind of like shut it down? Spotify is as well the same led by Daniel Ek, of course, mm -hmm. um, where they build, their organizational design is like based on this ideas of different squads. Yeah. So you have an organization full of squads that have, they have the whole wheelhouse in that one squad. So by itself, like it's 
already collaborative by the by the in terms of the fact that you have a UX like it, for example in a in a in a product related team or in marketing related team or growth related team you would have a UX designer a full stack developer and a data scientist for example in a growth team and they yeah. themselves can work on you know a bunch of different things that just like supports this like level of collaboration um, as well understanding the whole whole company and the whole products um, whole product like the direction that the product is going yeah. and this is something as well or a combination of these is something as well that we do here at very which like we me and my my, my co-founders founded mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago Well, and I think this, uh, the conversation is going in a really interesting direction because both of the examples that you gave are kind of essentially where you had decentralized autonomous teams who, you know, who were not a part of, um, you know, uh, you know, essentially what I'll call hierarchical managerial direction. So, you know, my background is in the technology industry and finance, and that is all about hierarchical direction, right? There's a roadmap that comes down from on top. There's engineering teams. They tend to be centralized, right? There's a management chain, you know, there's managers, senior managers, directors, senior directors, VPs, corporate VPs, right? There's just layers and layers of hierarchy uh, that go up to the top. And I think, you know, that's how traditional industry and uh, technology industry is run. Um, but um, in your view or in your observation, do you think that decentralized autonomous team and decision-making is the only way to get effective collaboration? Or do you think that's uh, just one of multiple ways? I don't necessarily know the answer, um, yeah. but I know that there's, uh, there, you know, that, you know, effective collaboration is really tough to achieve. <laughs> it's a lot harder yeah. than most people want to make it sound. Absolutely. By no means, by no means, I think that it's the only way. I think it's a very strong way. I okay. think it like supports a lot of the, in a way, like the good parts of, 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 of uh, having that. I, I think we live in an era as well where everyone is like very, wants to be very independent and is very independent, uh-huh. appreciates freedom a lot we live in the age where like this, like decentralization itself, you know, through Uh like cryptocurrencies block, you know, you name it. Like that's like starting to become a norm. We live in an, we live in an age where I think social media even itself is like starting to kind of like build like these micro communities around, like everything is just like getting more smaller and more decentralized. That's why Uh I think that the freedom and the decentralization part it's not necessarily the best way to lead, but right now people are receiving it the best way because that it's supporting like the rest of the things that are happening around yeah. the world. If you, if you uh, catch my drift. Yeah. Yeah. No, I see where you're going there. Well, and um, you know, I think this is a really interesting dynamic myself. I mean, just because, you know, and again, this isn't a political show and I don't want to make it about personal politics or anything, but just, you know, my, um, you know, my personal proclivities tend to, I tend to be more libertarian, um, you know, not, yeah. you know, not necessarily because I have an ax to grind one way or the other, but, you know, just generally speaking, I found that when you try to impose top-down direction, that it tends to not work out anywhere near as where as well as you thought. And so usually the best results come when, you know, come when, you know, when you basically get, when people have the room to figure out their own way to address situations. I don't like to say solve problems. 
um, because it's a very constraining uh, it's a very constraining statement. Although for the sake of argument, we could say solve problems. But basically, yeah. you know, or when people have their own room to let's say create possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the whenever you do anything top down. It, it operates in kind of in with that problem solving mentality, right? You know, okay, here's a, you know, here's a problem, go and solve it. Uh, what yeah. that doesn't do is that doesn't create the room to, you know, that, that you don't have the room to create something that nobody's thought of, right? You know, the, you know, I think the, the problem that you get into with any kind of top down, at least in my view, is that it operates within the, uh, the hierarchy of how things are right now. Uh, yeah. And it's very, very, very hard to break that mold unless the people who are providing that direction, um, you know, kind of have those ideas on their own, right? Steve Jobs mm-hmm. was able to do that, um, you know, and that, you know, there, although what happens is, right, at some point, most people uh, who, uh, you know, most people who are able to do that either A, run out of ideas, uh, B, get pushed out by the board, uh, or C, unfortunately, pass away. Um, and all three of those happened to Steve Jobs at one point or another. <laughs> um, and, you know, um, you know, and so, but I think that, you know, and, you know having those uh, you know, autonomous teams, at least to me, is a way that you can kind of create that possibility of those breakthrough ideas uh, that get executed and turned into something really meaningful. Um, at least that, you know, that to me is, is kind of the, uh, you know, I mean, to me, collaboration, you know, collaborative team is an ingredient in those breakthroughs, but those breakthroughs are where the real value comes from. You know, if you think about like a venture capital fund, right, mm-hmm. what a VC fund will do is, you know, they'll invest in, P- in a piece of, say, 100 companies, knowing that one only, you know, that like, say, one out of 20 or one out of 30, 50 will just be extraordinarily successful, about one out of five will probably make it and the rest are going to, are going to go bankrupt. And they know that going in, but they don't know which one is going to be the one that takes off. And everybody likes to pretend like they know, but they don't. (laughs) Nobody knows which one is going to take off. Nobody knows what idea is going to be the game changer. And I, I think, at least to me, I think that what uh, building a really effective scalable team model is about is about making sure that you have the, um, that you have the framework so that those game changing ideas can emerge and grow without being squashed. At least because the, I'd say the, the principal, uh, the principal uh, weakness I've seen in a lot of managerial structures is that those new ideas get squashed. Uh, and so, so what then what ends up happening is you end up competing on very conventional lines and you leave yourself susceptible to being disrupted by either somebody who is faster, who's better organized, who uh, operates at a lower cost or whatever. Um, and again, I'm doing a lot of talking here, so I will shut up a little more and uh, let me know kind of some of your thoughts and observations. Yeah, absolutely. I like the, the point that you said earlier uh, related to, <clears throat> you put it very well, where you don't want to, you don't want to give people, you don't want to give people answers, but you actually want to give them problems to solve, right? Like, yeah, I think, I think there's like a lot of, uh, uh, there's been a lot of talk, I think in, in stoicism, especially like there's been a lot of talk about, you know, like people don't want their problems answers. Like they want you to, 
people don't want like solutions. They want actually yeah. you to help out in solving their own problems, right? Uh -huh. So I, I guess the, the kind of like the saying goes that, you know, you should teach a man how to fish, uh -huh. to fish for Correct. a man, right? Um, <laughs> so I think, I think that's really powerful. And I really see that as well in like organizations, like building an environment where you, you really give people that, that freedom and that responsibility that autonomy to yeah. really do those things and solve those problems when you just give them like a frame of mind or kind of like a frame, a uh -huh. sandbox, just kind of like help them see, okay, that's the direction and you go on and run with it. Right. Yeah. The execution is, is, is yours. Right. Cause ideas are really cheap. You know, as you said, like yeah. ideas when like VCs are, or like when a venture like capitalist is looking mm -hmm. at your company, is looking at the level of the idea or, you know, whatever, like the level of idea, even like itself, like sounds like ridiculous to me because ideas are ideas. It's just about uh -huh. the execution. So what actually like is making the whole like VC game at least a bit quantifiable is yeah. seeing, does this person have a previous track record of building something similar? Yes or no. Has this yeah. person built like an organization or has this person like contributed to in an organization which is very autonomous or has created this environment, well, not necessarily autonomous, but has created this environment where ideas and that environment is as such that, you know, um, those like those like amazing minds that, are, that come together yeah. to solve a, to solve like a, a mission or a cause can really yeah. bring those ideas to life and execute them, right? Yeah. So, so well, and because I uh, think, uh, yeah, well. Um, Doug works with schools, businesses, and nonprofits to optimize their costs without layoffs. The best part is that he is only paid for successful projects, so you have zero risk. To learn more, visit DougBusiness.com or schedule time to talk about your business at meetdoug.biz. I think, uh, yeah, well, um, uh, one, uh, one way that I heard it explained uh, from uh, back when I was working at Intel, uh, Intel Corp, uh, you know, and because, you know, at, at the time there was, uh, you know, a lot of concern about competition uh, from over in Southeast Asia. Uh, and the uh, a way that I heard it explained that I thought was just absolutely beautiful is to say that, okay, you know, when, you know, when you, uh, when you do a competitive analysis, you say, okay, well, you know, when we look at our competitors, they get paid, their, their average pay per head is less than half of what we, you know, of what we're at in, you know, US and Western Europe, um, you know, and they work 10 to 12 hours a day, six days a week. Um, and so what that means is they get paid less, uh, you know, they work more hours and work more days. So what that means is that if we try to do the exact same thing as them in a head-to-head -head, head manner, we'll lose every time, 100%, because they'll yeah. beat us on efficiency and they can undercut us on prices. So what that means is you need to have better business models that are better executed. Yeah. That is the only way to succeed long-term. And I, at least, to, you know, you know, to me, I think that, uh, you know, and I think the the logical next evolutionary step is to say, where do those better executed business, better business models come from? You know, are they top mm -hmm. down or are they bottom up? And you know, of course, my bias is to feel that the, you know, the, um, you know, the the next, you know, the the unknown next thing always has to come out emerge bottom up because you know the uh, there is absolutely no incentive for anybody in a position of political power whether it is 
political power, political power like government or in the managerial hierarchy of a company, right? There is no incentive at all for people at those positions to really push that frontier. The only way that you're mm -hmm. really going to achieve that is with people who are taking risks with their own time and their own money because they believe in what they're doing enough to take those risks. Um, you know, just, you know, because I think you know, any time that you're operating inside of inside of some kind of managerial hierarchy, uh, you know, the first priority is always preserving your position of power. And, you know, being able to drive that value frontier is necessarily always secondary. You know, that's not a dig on anybody who's in, in you know, in, anybody who's in any kind of political position, any kind of managerial position, um, so, you know, but it's just how the game works, right? It's that it just says that, you know, ma maintaining your position has to be your first priority because you can't help drive anything forward if you're not employed or if you're not in office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I. That's that's an interesting interesting thing uh, or an interesting point of view that you heard at Intel. I think that's uh, yeah. that's very accurate. That's very very yeah, accurate. And, and that, think, that, uh, that was one of those things that kind of made me say, "Oh wait, hey, that's worth paying attention to." <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. When I heard it as well, I was like, oh, wow, like that's so true. That's something that I actually had a, had a discussion as well with some of, our, some of our folks just a while ago when I felt that we've gone into a place where we've siloed like too much. Yeah. You know, we weren't like <clears throat> being like enough collaborative, even like a small team and we've, we, we started siloing. I think that you can't really talk about siloing. It's, uh, I, think, I think we've been like, really efficient and really collaborative, but, uh, but still, like, I felt that, you know, we are not an, on our peak, like we're not, yeah. you know, uh, right now we're not in the state of mind where we are pushing the frontier, um, yeah. of being like, on, a, on like being collaborative instead, we are much more of like, you know, grinding to see results. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and I think that, you know, that, um, you know, that that collaboration is just so, so critically important. Um, and okay, so I think we've kind of gone on a little bit of a tangent. So I'm going to steer us back toward collaboration. Um, what have you observed as the kind of two to three most important points uh, to really keep in mind to make sure that a team stays in that either gets in that collaborative mode or stays in that collaborative mode? I, I think I think it's uh it, it's simple things uh it's simple things but still like very hard things right <laughs> um yeah simple things are not necessarily easy things uh you know, yeah, like, exactly. you know like, like for example you know you, you know if, if you're gonna say okay you know I want to lose weight all right that's great it's really simple track how many calories you eat and then uh you know and then consume less than you burn well that's not so easy well yeah just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy <laughs> yeah yeah and not necessarily entirely true <laughs> But um, yeah, um, I think I think uh, especially like in this like hybrid, in this like hybrid remote world, mm -hmm. really like building building like systems of what we do, for example, like in terms of collaboration, it's really hard to drift apart. Like everywhere yeah. around the world, we have like people at the U.S. and in, in here in Helsinki and like all, all the way in like Europe as well. So like having enough FaceTime with just like people, uh, right? Like that's been like really, really beneficial uh -huh. as well. Uh, as well, like doing like asynchronous work. So like having the system of being asynchronous, which means, you know, we record our meetings. We have like, we're very open in terms of all of the notes that, that yeah. we produce, like documentation that we, that we use. That's something that 
helps a lot of people, you know, hopping on board, like mm-hmm. asynchronously and getting on sync with you. Even we had like, you know, 10 hours apart yeah. from each. Um, things like rituals and things like, you know, we hold like an LQAV, L- what we call LQAV, which is like a last quarter a day um, session where we, 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 you know, we get, <clears throat> we, we kind of like look at review our results from last quarter, uh-huh. celebrate successes, learnings, and just like have as well, a lot of FaceTime during those sessions where we, yeah. you know, spy about different things. Uh, just talk about um, what are some of the issues that we're facing, like challenges between each team and just get people together, basically FaceTime, I guess. And then I would say another other, other big thing is just like how you design your organization. Like mm-hmm. that's already like dictates a lot of the ways that how teams are collaborative. Yeah. I love the, like the ideas of like squads and, you know, you have, for example, you have like a, you have a designer, a data scientist and a front end developer mm-hmm. that all are in one squad. Yeah. They work on certain features and then all of them, all of them then report to corresponding managers. So for uh-huh. example, data scientists, like a chief of data is reported by all of the team. So this chief of data scientist already himself gets all of the like insights from all of these squads that are, that are, uh, that are divided by customer success, growth, uh, you know, front uh, product development, yeah. operations, so on. So things yeah, like uh, these, I think, uh, are not like on, on my own. And like, those have been uh, really powerful. Uh-huh. Well, and a, uh, I, I think the, the thing that's really unique or that's, uh, you know, the, the, the thing about that type of construct, I think that's, uh, that's really powerful is that, you know, you're having, say, I mean, because I know in military terminology, a squad typically is about 12 people, say 12 plus a squad leader, so 13. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so, but, you know, kind of having about a 12 to 13 person team, you know, in yeah, agile terminology, Navy they call Navy that a two-person team. Like eight, yeah. eight people yeah. team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. In, in agile terminology, they'd call that a two-pizza team. Uh, yeah. But uh, but basically, you kind of, you know, ha- having a, you know, having a self-contained team that has the skill sets you need to be able to, uh, to be able to do things, uh, you know, or, you know, to be able to execute, you know, what, uh, you know, the, the thing that that really enables that's powerful, you know, is that they can take an idea from beginning to end, you know, to where you have, you know, you can exactly. get to where you have a workable output that is not dependent on somebody else's approval. You can do that in a really short amount of time. And at least to me, the real power of that is that you can, you, you, you can, you can try to experiment with creative ways to, uh, you know, to either solve problems, if that's your way of looking at the world, or to uh, generate possibilities, if that's your way of work, looking at the world. But I think, at least to me, the thing that's, that's really powerful about that is that you know you can go you can go from idea to execution really fast and yeah. figure out whether something is a good idea you know, whether something is going to be workable or not without burning that much time because I think the yeah. the the problem that you run into with when you have things that are run top down is that most ideas get squashed to just get never get off the ground um, and if you have a bad idea or something that is uh, has a poor fundamental somewhere in it 
uh, but it gets pushed from the top, what will happen is you'll burn a lot of time and money before you'll figure out that it's not going to be workable. And so to me, the advantage of the decentralized team is that you can try a lot of ideas and you'll be able to cut off the ones that aren't going to be workable really early. Uh, and, and then, yeah. you know, what'll happen is, you know, things won't gather steam until they've already proven out that they have some market viability. Um, yeah, you know, now, exactly. and then of course the problem that you run into, of course, you know, since I come from the, uh, from the, the finance side is that, you know, what is that funding decentralized teams looks horribly inefficient on a spreadsheet because you end up having a, a whole lot of resource redundancy across your teams. Now in practicality, that resource redundancy actually comes in, uh, comes in really handy. If for example, you have say key people who leave the company. And if you don't have any, any kind of coverage, or if you don't have any kind of redundancy in place, now your operations can grind to a complete halt. And so that's actually one of the places why, where one of the other advantages of having these decentralized teams is that uh, you have built in, uh, you know, kind of your know, built in overlap to absorb, um, you know, to absorb volatility in your headcount yeah. movement or in your resource movement. Um, at in least, these, but, you know, in but these... yeah, I think that's, go ahead. In the... In the environments that you worked in, in uh, in in finances, yeah, and in like this like top top to bottom like management yeah. more or less, how do you how do you how have you felt like in terms of the you said it very well earlier where you said that no one from the management is actually like incentivized to innovate and bring yeah. in like new things like how did you see that working like what were there like ways of how that was um, supplemented. Um, well, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the, there's uh, usually the way that management or that I observe management tried to work around it, uh, you know, work around that kind of that, that built-in incentive gap uh, was, you know, was through things like, what um, uh, was, you know, through things like quarterly and annual goals, uh, you know, there, there, there'd be, be some kind of goal in terms of like, say, product roadmap ex execution in terms of design wins, uh, other things like that, you know. Uh, so it's more my, like performance... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was usually some kind of management by objectives type of, um, yeah, of you know you know type of group based performance. You know, which I think is um, you know is about as good as you can. I, I think about as good as you'll be able to achieve with a with a top down type of construct. Um, you know, just because you know anytime that you're setting those types of goals, they are necessarily going to be goals set inside the box. Um, which you know mm -hmm. I think that you know as long as you're operating in a hierarchical structure, which to be fair, uh, if you have a large organization, right, you know, it's, you know, you can have a decentralized uh, team, you decentralized teams in a, uh, you know, in a company of say, a, you know, a couple few hundred people or so, okay, you know, pretty effectively. If you have yeah. like 100,000 people in the company, it is really, really hard to run those with decentralized teams, uh, just because yeah. otherwise everything turns into a giant mess. Um, and so, you know, with that said, right, I don't want to make it sound like I'm bagging on big companies. I think, you know, big companies in their hierarchies, I think it's, there's, it's very difficult to run a large enterprise any other way, uh, just because otherwise, you know, if you try to run it decentralized, um, you know, it, I think it just, the administration of those teams just gets so difficult and governance gets so hard and cumbersome that it's, you know, it just, you know, it's the, the, the old analogy is herding cats, which it ends up being very apropos. Um, you know, now I think the, um, you know, my, uh, 
you know, kind of my personal observation is that I think that uh, a lot of teams would be better served by operating on a lower headcount and uh, handling more things via contract contractual outsourcing. And, you know, so they can have a really, really focused small team, small teams that are um, that really drive the core, their core competency and their key differentiators, as opposed to building a big enterprise that has a high number of insourced services. That's just my observation, Mm -hmm. Um, just because I think that, you know, once you get past a certain size threshold, uh, hierarchy becomes almost inevitable. And so what that, yeah, so what that means is that I think the, the only way you can really kind of have that collaborative disruptive advantage is if you can stay small enough so that the model you're talking about remains feasible. Uh, And I don't know exactly what the headcount structure model is, but there is kind of a range where once you get past that range, there is no way you can avoid getting into some kind of hierarchy. And you can still be really effective. You're just not, you just can't depend on being able to generate out of the box world changing ideas and then and then uh, take them forward to execution. Just the the numbers show unequivocally that uh, that you know large companies what they do you know large companies large enterprises whether they be private or government enterprises what they do is they uh, they consolidate around whatever their you know kind of w- whatever their key strength is. So like you know in the case of uh, of Intel where I was from, Intel is heavily built around microprocessors because it is a highly profitable. Um, you know, highly profitable, generally predictable uh, revenue driver. And that's what all the operations are built around. And there's some other pieces that try to work their way around the periphery, but that that key product segment is still with the, how the entire company is oriented. That's how all the decisions are made. Um, you know, and the thing is that, you know, and that that's fine. They, you know, Intel mate does you know, very well financially because of that. Um, so, but the thing is, right, they are not going to, figure out what the next tier is, you know, or somebody at Intel might find the next technology tier, but it will struggle because it has to compete for capital against a highly profitable existing product segment. And I think that's, mm-hmm. at least in my view, I think that's one of the things that, um, one of the thing, one of the advantages that small companies have. And, uh, you know, if you're looking at scaling a company or scaling a, an enterprise or idea, I would say trying to keep the headcount as small as you can for as long as you can is the way to preserve your ability to, uh, to generate these, um, you know, kind of these game-changing ideas. Awesome advice. You need to, you right. need to send me what you're eating. <laughs> right and uh, hey, hey and uh and so yeah and I'm, i'd also like to say um yeah uh, thank you i appreciate that uh in fact uh, i just looked at the time and we're uh we're actually running long so can you just get uh, uh tell everybody how they can get a hold of you uh so that uh you know so so that we can avoid taking up too much people's day but uh, I, i'd love for people to be able to engage and uh, continue the conversation absolutely absolutely um well if if working in an working in an autonomous organization is, is something that you, you fancy and you happen to be a, 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 an engineer, a data scientist, or or a content strategist, um, we are uh, we are at verystable.com. So that's v e r i s t a b l e dot com. Um, okay. And um, I'm at Twitter at uh, real Antoni. Okay, verystable.com, B-E-R-I-S-T-A-B-L-E.com. All right, excellent. Well, hey, uh, it was a great conversation, Antoni, and uh, you you have a wonderful day. Likewise, likewise. Thanks a lot. This is amazing. Yeah.
thank you very much for listening to today's episode. Uh, and what I would actually like you to do right now is to give me your thoughts. So I would really love it if you could go to feedback.terminalvaluepodcast.com and just let me know what you think. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know uh, if, you, if there's anything you really like about the show, if there's any questions you have, or if there's anything you think I could do better. Uh, once again, that site is feedback.terminalvaluepodcast.com. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Terminal Value Podcast. Share it with your friends by sending them to TerminalValuePodcast.com. For more information, please visit BusinessOfLifeLLC.com for full access to Doug's products and services. All rights reserved. No part of this broadcast may be produced in any form by any means without written permission from Business of Life LLC. All trademarks and brands referred to herein are the property of their respective owners.